Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello, and thanks for joining me again to celebrate growing up as a child in the 1970s and remembering the television that accompanied our formative years. It's great to have you here. Today, we're going to look at a vital weekly ritual in my and many others' childhoods, the weekly comic. And we're also going to consider ITV's preschool programming, as I've received a few comments from listeners that my focus to date has been too concentrated on BBC shows. We'll also hear again from our listener Stuart on how Pipkins introduced him to the idea of death. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show and also your memories of growing up in Britain during the decade of beige and orange that was the 1970s. Find our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com Tweet me at 70stvchildhood or email me Oliver at my70stvchildhood.com A treasured memory I have as a child was waiting with a huge sense of expectation for the delivery of my weekly comic. Picking up the newspaper from the doormat and shaking out my weekly treat was always an enormous pleasure. Well, except for the odd occasion where the comic hadn't made it to the newsagent and I'd be shaking the paper in vain looking for the new edition. Looking back, my parents must have been quite indulgent in allowing me and my sister to have a weekly comic. However, the comics I amassed as a child were read cover to cover, again and again, all with delight. My 70s comic progression was, I suspect, similar to that of many others. When I was very small and not able to read yet, I shared a comic with my sister. And that comic was Teddy Bear Weekly, a wonderfully innocent publication centering around the Bear family, who lived in the eponymous Bear Green. From memory, I think Teddy Bear, the central character, lived with his mother and father, the imaginatively named Mummy and Daddy Bear, and his brothers, the older, studious Bookworm Bear, and Bear Bear, who was a little baby, and also his sister Grizzly Bear. I seem to remember he had a lot of relatives as well, including a Russian relative, Ivan Bear, and a backwoods American cousin, I think, who went by the name of Hillbilly Bear. Apologies to all concerned if I've not remembered that 100% correctly, but the fact that the names are still familiar to me shows how much I must have read them over the following years, once, obviously, I'd learned to read. I started primary school at Padgate Church of England Infants, on the outskirts of Warrington, in January 1972, when I was four years old. And I think I must have learned to read quite quickly, as, after a few months at school, I jettisoned Teddy Bear Weekly for Donald and Mickey, a new Disney comic which featured a whole range of Disney cartoons, features, and also cartoon strips of great Disney films like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Aristocats, and Old Yeller. I remember picking up Donald and Mickey in the newsagent and asking my mother whether I could have it. And I'm afraid that was where old teddy bear bit the dust, as clearly I couldn't have more than one comic. Sorry, Teddy, 
but you were no match to the Magic Mouse and Co. I stayed loyal to Donald and Mickey for the next few years until my growing obsession with sport, and particularly football, inevitably led me to shoot. The much beloved companion to football or soccer for our US listeners in the 70s and 80s. Along the way, there were odd copies of Tiger, Roy of the Rovers, Pippin, and TV Comic. But my loyalty stayed with Donald and Mickey and then shoot well into the 80s. I also kept hold of lots of copies of these comics. Um, not quite sure why. I thought I might look at them in my dotage or perhaps. And when I was moving house about five years ago, I decided to see uh, if any of them were worth anything. So I used the usual sources, the internet and so on, and of course found out that they were worth absolutely nothing. There was also a comic called Lookin, which was a vehicle to publicise and complement ITV's children's programming. Which leads me on to the main subject for this episode, looking at ITV's programming for preschool children. As I mentioned earlier, some of you think I've been ignoring ITV's lunchtime slots in favour of the BBC's Watch With Mother. But I think it's probably true that most of us have fonder memories of the BBC shows and the ITV ones, as the ITV ones were all modern, given that they only committed to targeting the under fives in 1972, and also because each of the various local broadcasters that made up ITV at that point produced their own versions. Some of our younger listeners may be a bit confused by the last sentence, but until 1993, every UK region had its own independent broadcaster. Where I grew up in the northwest, Granada was the ITV channel, the Midlands had ATV, and Thames Television operated in London during the week, handing over to London Weekend Television at, well, at the weekend. After 1993, the various operators merged and morphed to become a single entity, ITV, in 2004. The diversity of programming for young children led to lots of new shows coming on air in the 70s, most notably Rainbow, which was enormously popular, with Geoffrey, George, Zippy and Bungle, having all kinds of adventures to a soundtrack provided by the ever-smiling but slightly tedious Rod, Jane and Freddy. Rainbow clearly deserves an episode of this podcast all to itself, as it ran for almost 20 years until Thames Television lost its franchise to Carlton in 1992. However, there were lots of other programmes which occupied the slot. I like Granada's Handful of Songs, where the lovely Cathy Jones got us to sing along to popular songs, and then later, in the 1970s, more new shows came along, like Simon in the Land of Chalk Drawings where a slightly sad-looking young schoolboy found adventures in a fantasy land where everything he drew came to life, and then the quite frankly bonkers Chawton and the Wheelies. But more of that later. In the early 1970s, Rainbow stood out for me, as did a show called Inigo Pipkin, later Pipkins. I've been speaking to our listener Stuart from Wandsworth, who joined us last week, and we discussed his memories of the ITV lunchtime slot. And I'm joined again now by Stuart from Wandsworth, who joined us in a previous episode talking about the banana splits. And I'm not sure whether he's managed to get through all 758 minutes of the six DVD collection. But Stuart's joining us today to talk about his memories of ITV's much underrated lunchtime children's programmes. Hello again, Stuart. Hello again, Oliver. Hi there. 
Now, you've got some particular memories about the ITV lunchtime children's slot. Do you want to share those with us? Yeah, I do. And I think most people would probably, if you asked them the question, what do you remember about that? They would probably mention Rainbow. You know, the fact it's still referred to in modern culture and some of the characters still pop up on TV and the like, it shows that there was something about it. But I, I, my, my, my time then is when I went to school then, I would come home for, at lunch times. So even though these programmes were meant for preschool kids, I would tend to watch them while munching, you know, fish fingers and beans or whatever, whatever was on, whatever delicacy was on my table in the, in the early 70s. And the thing I remember is as a programme called Pipkins, Yes. It was a live action, but not a cartoon or anything. It was set in a in, in a shop, which I really think was it had, had a look of an antique shop, but I think it was like the shop of a puppeteer and he made puppets. At least that's what the first series was. Mm. And the puppets puppets he made the puppets and they sort of came to life. And they were in effect glove puppets in the end, was that how, how it was actually made. But the characters involved and the, the, the accents of the characters and the interaction Mr. old Mr. Pipkins had with them was was really quite quite lovely initially. And, and the characters I remember were Hartley Hare, who I think had a, a Birmingham accent. Mm. There was Top Off the Monkey, um, who despite his Eastern European name, I don't think, I think had, a, had an English accent of some sort. <laughs> and I remember there being a tortoise an ostrich, and there was something else. There's a pig. Uh, pig. A pig. Of oh, course, cool. yeah, pig. Maybe, maybe it was pig who had the Birmingham accent. Pig and top off. Yeah, and Hartley Hare was was like the the angry, almost psychotic character who just seemed to want to have a fight and, and pick issue with everyone. But there's this lovely interaction of that first series. I remember really quite strongly as being something to to go to go to go home to. Uh, and how I got home, I don't know, because my school must have been a 20-minute walk there and back. How I did that and had lunch and got back to school in time, I do not know. But but it definitely happened that I was going home to see to see that and Rainbow, because I think they used to alternate. And the real thing I remember through, through, through watching it was that old Mr. Pipkins died between the first and second series, I think. Mm. Um and so not only did they did they change the show and his his assistant became the lead character who, who by the way was a, was a was a black actor and he's one of the first black actor actors I remember seeing on TV and he became he ran the shop and, and whatever but they, they they actually addressed the issue of of death and they had one of the one of the puppets and I'm thinking it must have been top of the monkey talking to Johnny I think he was called yeah Johnny yes about the death of this much-loved old man. And there's a, probably he's a six-year-old as I was then. That might actually be my first experience of a sense of loss about things. But it, but the memory of the show and then what it, it, it changed a bit. And I think actually looking up today, it actually ran for about seven or eight years. But I remember only watching it while I was about five, six years old. It was just a really lovely, solid memory, apart from being a bit scared about how angry this hair was, partly hair. But other than that, it's a lovely memory of of the you know lunch times at home with my sitting with my dad and my brother and my mum having lunch during the week, which is probably quite rare for children now. No, well, that's lovely. That's a lovely memory. And thanks for sharing that with us, Stuart. It's interesting because most people, when they're talking about their memories, seem to remember the BBC programmes a bit better. Why? Why do you think that might be? What the BBC lunchtime? Yes. Yeah. So, 
I, I still remember what BBC showed at lunchtimes. Well, um, not much. I think they used to have yeah. they used to have Watch with Mother, so something like Camberwick Green, Trumpton, whatever. Oh, of course, yes. and and yeah. a news program, and then they closed down. That's right. Closed down for the afternoon, didn't they? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, P.P. Barney McGrew, you know, et al. Again, you know, total classics, which I've obviously tried to show to my kids, and they've shown zero interest. <laughs> Been you know very unimpressed, and obviously disappeared off to play Fortnite or whatever it was when they were four or five years old. But yeah, you know, you try to watch those things and yeah, you're right. Then it would shut down. TV would shut down. We'd probably put off to school and come back for the afternoon fest of, you know, Captain Pugwash, Blue Peter, Will of the Wisp or whatever, whatever it was at different points through, uh, through my childhood. No, which could, could, fill, could fill several more episodes. Indeed. And I was just about to say, I think there's several ideas for episodes there. So thanks again, Stuart, for joining us. It's really great to hear your memories, and particularly moving to hear your memories about the first time you came across death in Pipkins. I think that was probably true for a lot of lot of pe- people of our age. Yeah, and speaking about death, I better get back into my labour of love of the banana splits and see if I can make it to the end. Well, well, very best of luck on that, and thanks again for joining us. <laughs> thanks, Oliver. All right, bye-bye. Some lovely memories there. But I'm particularly struck by the memory of how old Mr Pipkin's death was explained by Johnny to top off. As Stuart recalled, the British character actor George Woodbridge, who played Inigo Pipkin, unexpectedly died before the second series was completed, and his assistant, Johnny, took over as the lead for the programme and explained what had happened to the older man. Much is made in TV histories of the episode in Sesame Street, where Big Bird is made to understand about the death of Mr Hooper and that he wouldn't be coming back. But Pipkins dealt with this previously taboo subject around nine years earlier. Well done to ATV, and to Johnny, although I have to say I still find Hartley Hare quite ferocious, even thinking about him today. I'd love to hear your memories on anything we've discussed today, especially Pipkins, or what comic you used to read. So let me know via our blog www.my70stvchildhood.com Tweet me at 70stvchildhood or email me oliver at my70stvchildhood.com Also, I need more of your memories as I'm currently preparing future episodes on subjects including Saturday nights and the rituals, particularly food related, that went with it. TV music and theme tunes of the 70s, Top of the Pops, and an episode, or maybe even two, dedicated to everybody's favourite mystery-solving Great Dane, Scooby-Doo. But that's all from me for now, so take care and join me again soon on My 70s TV Childhood.